it's realizing when you can sort of be bigger than your expectation, sort of remove your negative thoughts and shake it up a little and, and maybe stay out there longer than you thought that you could. everyone, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to another episode as a part of Run Week here on Hurdle. Now, if you're just catching up after the long weekend this week in celebration of Global Running Day on Wednesday, June 2nd, I am bringing five back-to-back episodes dedicated to the sport that changed my life. As you may know, I'm a UESCA certified run coach. I'm also a nine-time marathoner, one who went through a long period of her life thinking that running just wasn't for her. I'm going to give you my whole backstory and talk about my journey with running this week on Wednesday. But first, today, I've got a conversation with Aisha Proutlier. She's a professional middle distance runner for Puma, a world finalist and Olympian, and seriously, one of the kindest, most down-to-earth interviews. Now, you've heard from her on the show before. I'm going to link that episode in the show notes. But today, we are talking about a very important topic, the sucky run. We have all had them. Some days we get through them victoriously and it feels like you need a movie soundtrack and other days you just got to call it. And today with Aisha, we talk about how to navigate all the scenarios. She offers up a lot of really helpful tricks to get through the days that you actually can power through. You just need a little bit of a pep talk to do so. We chat about the importance of separating fact from feeling something that really helped me in Sunday night's Orchard Street Runners race here in New York. York. And I'm going to tell you, Aisha's the perfect person to talk about this because not only does she do a lot of running, so much so that she said she gets a day off once every 90 days. <laughs> we chat about that. But because she's done extensive work on this very subject. Super grateful for her time and her outlook today and really excited to bring this episode to a permanent home on the feed. I want to say thank you to all of the hurdlers who submitted a question over on Instagram. I made a call out asking for your running cues. I'm going to be answering so many of them. And man, there are a lot of goodies, trust me, in this Friday's newsletter with the help of a lot of really great experts. So make sure by clicking on over to the show notes that you are subscribed to the weekly hurdle. It is free and I would love to be in your inbox every Friday. Last call out. If you like what you were listening to this week, and I know that you will make sure to head on over in to Apple podcasts and rate and review the show. That's it for now. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Aisha Proutlier. She is a world finalist, an Olympian, a record holder, a pro runner. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to have you back on the show this week to talk about something that we all struggle with, which is the crappy run. Oh, just saying it. I Honestly, I had one this morning, if we're being honest. Yeah, it happens to 
literally every single person that runs. So before we kind of give our tips and tricks about how to maybe manage these crappy runs and mentally get over the hurdle that is the bad run, why don't you give us a little bit of information? I know you've been on the show before. If anyone is interested, of course they are. I will link to your previous episode in the show notes. But just give us like a little snippet of when you started running and when you took your running from recreational to not so recreational? Sure. I started running at long distance when I was 16 years old, which is a little bit late for most pros, but I really lucked into running. I was uh, a cheerleader and a black belt in karate, which is not a combo that people are used to. Um, But I fell into long distance running, loved it, went from pretty good high school runner to pretty good college runner to very good college runner at the end, uh, was able to be picked up by uh, an agent, a professional team out in Eugene, Oregon, where I spent my first four years as a pro, became a better pro, moved to Boulder, Colorado, and you'd have been in the process of being one of the founding members of an amazing training group in Team Boss. We have We're primarily a women's group with some excellent men, (laughs) but my training partners are some of the best female runners in the world, which is extraordinary. And I think we're up to maybe nine women and four men. And it's just, it's the best. It's, It's a sisterhood of excellence and I love being part of it. I love the way you talk about it. I feel excited. (laughs) I feel the excitement just radiating about it. And I love what you said because it is interesting, right? So many runners get started early, but not starting until you were 16. Also, side note, being a black belt is just like phenomenal in its own right. But not getting started with running until 16, a lot of people would assume, oh, she must have always been a runner. And I mean, I'm a very different type of runner than you are, but I also didn't start running until I was in my late teens as well. So it's kind of a reminder that you can start wherever you are. And in order to start, you have to meet yourself where you're at. I'm sure at 16, you were not like, oh my God, you know what I'm going to do with this? (laughs) In fact, my parents did not know that I could actually run three miles straight without stopping. So before my first cross country meet, they didn't tell me this until after, before my first cross country meet, they were really nervous for me. They weren't sure that I was going to even make it the distance to compete at the event. So yeah, you can really start anywhere. I made it, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Did you think that you were going to make it the distance at the event? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I I mean, I was doing my training. I wasn't the best, but I was doing it. An unwavering sense of self-belief. That's what we all all need to have. (laughs) Okay. So – as we we went through your journey, we know a little bit more about you, your new training group. It all sounds so exciting. How many days a week are you running right now? All the days? All the days. At least once a day, every day. I get a day off every mm, three months or so. So it was amazing. I actually had a day off on Monday and I didn't even know what to do with myself. It was bizarre. What did you do with yourself? Well, I drove from Crested Butte, Colorado, where we'd been training at 9,000 feet, back home to Boulder, which is, you know, five and a half thousand feet, and drank a lot of coffee. I wore jeans. It was a great day. 
Hard pants. Hard pants. <laughs> I saw some meme the other day that it was like, start wearing hard pants in small increments to ease back into the experience. <laughs> I was talking with a girlfriend who is really feeling that. She wore hard pants for a whole day. And I am so into the high waist. Low waist, I can leave it. We can leave that in the past. But she was wearing her high-waisted jeans all day. And then the next day was wondering why her tummy was sore. And it was because she was wearing hard pants and her, the button of her pants bruised her tummy. And I felt that. I felt that hard. I, I felt that real hard. <laughs> I felt that real hard. Oh my God, her poor tummy. Okay. Okay. Back to, back to running. <laughs> back to running. So, okay. You are running. The fact that you get a day off once every three months is just amazing. Uh, I think before we start talking about the mental strength that it must take to literally run for 90 days continuously, uh, the inevitable question that I think someone may have listening to this is, what are you doing to stave off injury with that kind of load in your training? Right. So one of the great things about being a pro is I have the time to truly care for my body head to toe all the time. I have the resources. I'm sponsored by Puma. They make sure that I have resources to get body work, all that stuff. Not everybody has that same access, but what I will say is spending five to 10 minutes before your run, five to 10 minutes after your run, even if that means having to subtract minutes from your run, doing some mobility, doing some warm up exercises, doing a lot of mobility and just movement, moving your body in, you know, laterally and in different planes when you're done, you will feel so much better. I think a lot of runners think that to become better at running, you ha just have to run all the time, which is true. You, you do have to do some running. Sometimes you have to run hard. Sometimes you have to run easy, but we get, we're in one plane. We're just moving forward. It's a really repetitive motion. So anything that you can do sort of before and after to get yourself out of that, you know, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, just opening your body up, loosening your hips up, doing some, some lunges, some side lunges, maybe some band walks, some breathing exercises, really opening up your back and shoulders. All of that is going to help you be out there for more days in a row. Wow. A lot of work. So in your week of workouts, how many days are you typically adding in strength work as well? I We're in the gym every hard day. So my week kind of looks like this. I have hard days that are hard and easy days that are easy. So if I have a hard day and assume that every run starts with 10 minutes of warm-up exercises. So um, we'll do a workout, like a track workout or a tempo or something where, you know, maybe I'm getting 10 to 12 miles of work in, in the morning. Then we go directly from that to a gym session where we're doing plyos, we're lifting heavy weights, we're deadlifting, we're, um, we're doing all the gym work. Then I rest. And then in the evening, I've been actually uh, cross-training a lot this spring. In the fall, I can run and run and run and run. And I don't encounter many issues. I This fall was running 90 to 100 miles a week, day in and day out. But when I add in speed, um, I just have to back off the volume, the running volume. So it's been the best thing ever. I've been getting on the elliptigo every evening. And I put my heart rate monitor on. I make sure that I stay in the easy zone. I watch Netflix and, and I get on the elliptigo. And so that happens three times a week where we have this 
you know, sort of marathon training day, you could call it three sessions of training. And then on an easy day, I will do a run in the morning, maybe a run in the evening or an elliptical session in the evening. And those are the days that I spend extra time on my body. So it's it's been really great as a team. We've been spending at least 20 minutes after a run doing mobility exercises, opening up the body. Somebody makes smoothies for everyone while we do this. We listen to music. We you know make sure that we're feeling good again. So the easy days are really good body maintenance days for me too. A sidebar would be I thought that the elliptigo was something only that moved like outside. Can you make it stationary as well? Yes. And especially up in the mountains, the weather is so variable in the afternoon that you could get out there and get hit by a hailstorm. So we actually just have it set up in my garage. We got an iPad stand. We have speakers. You can just really go nuts in there. What are you watching on Netflix right now? Oh gosh. Um, well, when I elliptigo, I've already watched it six times, but I watched Beyonce Homecoming. <laughs> it is, I can't, I can't, I can't get sick of it. It's the best thing ever. It hypes you up. There's something to watch. I like to do a little bit of dancing while I'm on there, which isn't very coordinated, but yeah, you know, just, it feels good. I'm into it. I'm into it. Okay. So we, we've got the training rundown. And again, we know that you're running a hell of a lot. So talk to me about first and foremost, how often would you say, if you had to guess, that you have a, I really just don't think that I can do this run day? Okay. I'm going to be really honest. I don't ever think I can't do it. But I do think there are days that a run takes, in my mind, three hours. There are days that I feel very bad, but I never I never have that I can't do it because I have accountability built in with my team. So I'm never, I'm never questioning whether I'm going to get it done. I know I'm going to get it done, but having a bad run probably happens once every two weeks where I'm out there, I'm thinking good Lord, this run is going to take forever. And how fast are we running? Okay. We're not running that fast. Yikes. Um, all right. I used just take a deep breath, one foot in front of the other. That happens maybe once every two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Once every two weeks you have this like subpar run. I love where you started this, which was talking about the mental side of things in that you understand that you are bigger than how you feel, right? So you understand that this may feel in the moment absolutely downright impossible, but you have done so much work to understand that impossible isn't a thing for you. Correct. I've done so much mental work on this subject specifically because often – I don't know, in a race, you don't feel good. It's kind of the point that <laughs> racing is really hard. Um, so I've, I've tried to really detach feeling from outcome. And I think that's one of the hardest things to do. And there are a number of ways that you can work on this and feel better about this. For me, it's a lot of distraction of, okay, I'm not feeling great. Um, I'm going to draw my mind to something else. I know that I don't feel good. That's fine. That's okay. It's, I'm training hard. Maybe I didn't sleep well the night before. 
whatever the case is, but what am I going to focus on instead? So I will, especially on days that I'm not feeling good, I'll think about my form or I'll think about how my feet are contacting the ground or I'll think about a happy memory or I'll go to the front of the group and just put myself in the front of the group, lead the group, bring it outside of myself of like, okay, now I'm in charge of the pace or you know, when I'm running with people, I'll bring up a funny conversation or bring up a fiery conversation so that, um, you know, my brain is just going somewhere else. So it's a lot for me. It's a lot of like, yes, okay, I understand. I feel this way. What else am I going to focus on? Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsor at Tracksmith. Tracksmith is a Boston-based performance running brand dedicated to the community, style, and culture of running. Putting on my Tracksmith gear makes me feel sleek. It makes me feel fast and fit. And that may sound a little silly, but even the science shows that when you feel good, you perform better. On top of just feeling good about my gear, I feel really amped about this partnership because it's unlike anyone that I've done before. The company is offering to donate 5% of every purchase using the code HURDLE back to girls on the run to help drive change. You'll also get free shipping on your order as well. Now, y'all know that one of my mottos, one of the phrases that I live my life by is do good. And this partnership just couldn't be more of a perfect fit for me. Now why I chose Girls on the Run, I really love what they are all about. Running helped me so much come into my own, find independence, become confident at such a critical time in my life. And I can only imagine what it would have been like to learn some of these lessons a little bit earlier on. Girls on the Run is all about integrating movement as a tool to strengthen a sense of confidence in young girls while fostering care and compassion for self and others. And that is my jam. Be sure to check out Tracksmith's new summer collection featuring styles for training and racing in hot weather. My go-tos at the moment, the all Austin bra, the Twilight crop top. Trust me, you will never go back. And don't sleep on crew socks. The right socks will dramatically better your run. Do some good today. Head on over to tracksmith.com slash hurdle and use code hurdle at checkout to get free shipping and support girls on the run. Again, that is tracksmith.com slash hurdle. Use code hurdle today to get free shipping and support girls on the run. I love that tidbit that you had about kind of changing your speed or your pace a little bit to kind of do a little bit of pick up and come down. Some days when I am feeling super sluggish, I'll just do a little, I'll just pick up the pace a little bit and then I'll fall back into where I felt that I was. Then I'll pick up the pace a little bit and it, it wakes me up. And sometimes it helps me shake off the feeling that like today is just going to be a quote unquote slow day. I was totally having one of those runs this morning where I felt like my legs were a thousand pounds. I took my first spin class in since pre-pandemic last night. And I went out for my run this morning and I was like, what do you think you're doing? This is just like you have cement for legs. And so I did a few of those pickups and did the run like feel totally not impossible now after those? Yeah. Before them, it was like, should I call this? What am I doing? Let me see what my options are so that I can keep going because I knew that I wanted to keep going. 
Yeah, that's really smart. And, and it's always a fine line, right? Like listening to your body is super important. And do I think every single person needs to run 90 days in a row? Absolutely not. But it's realizing when you can sort of be bigger than your expectation, sort of remove your negative thoughts and shake it up a little and and maybe stay out there longer than you thought that you could. And when you say you've done a lot of mental work on this, what else have some of your takeaways been or what else do you kind of talk to yourself about in these moments of distraction or hurt or, oh, for me, it's a lot of just trying to silence the, the judgment a bit of bringing awareness. Like I am aware of something, but I'm not letting that guide my decision-making. And this is really important in racing and something that I've had to relearn off of a two-year hiatus from racing that like, Yes, there are moments that are just supremely painful, but if you just silence the mind for a little bit and then reassess, you'll find often that you feel better. And in workouts, I'll I'll tell myself, okay, just one more lap, reassess after a lap. Okay, a lap goes by, I quiet my mind. I feel better. Imagine that. It's like not giving power to those thoughts of your body saying, I don't really love this. Just realizing that they're there. Okay, we'll we'll revisit you in a little bit. And sometimes when you revisit, you feel a lot better. And this is just so applicable to so much beyond the run, this methodology and this mindset work. It's like when you exercise these mental tools when you're out there and you're lacing up, then you sit down at your desk later in the day and an email comes in. And before you start to freak out and like completely feel like you're losing control, you like take a deep breath and you're like, okay, I can, I can do this. Totally. Totally. <laughs> but there's a caveat here in that some days you're going to have a run where you go out and it's bigger than just the mind situation. It is, I am not feeling well and you have to cave in. So the question arises, how do you know when it's that kind of day versus the, I, I really, I, I should tough this out kind of day? Yeah, that that is something that has, I'm 31. I've been a professional for nine years. And this is one of the hardest things in the world for me to do. And I successfully did it last week. It's It's truly learning yourself, right? It's like, of course, we're all going to have bad days. We're going to have days that we feel off, but your body will tell you if you're really off. I showed up to the track to work out um, last week and I, I warmed up, just kind of feeling off. My body wasn't, wasn't really flowing well. You know, my hips felt a little off. My foot felt a little sore. And, you know, I, I continued the warm up. I warmed all the way up for the session. I did my strides on the track, you know, the sprints that we do before we start something hard. I even did the 200 that we usually do to prime for the workout. And I said to my coach, I feel kind of off. Like I don't feel quite right. And he said, yeah, you look like you're not running in a straight line. Let's push this to tomorrow. And past Aisha would have freaked out. 
and would have been like, no, 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 I have to do this. Like my training partners are doing this today. If I don't do this today, then I'm going to be behind or, you know, I'm being a weenie or whatever, you know, all these like negative thoughts that you tell yourself, these stories that you tell yourself that are, you know, trying to convince you to do something stupid. Um, so I thought, Hmm. Okay. I, yeah, no, I'm not right. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait a day. Just pushing something a day isn't going to, you know, destroy my season. Like that's actually a really good idea. And I think what is a pattern that I see with a lot of runners, a lot of runners tend to be pretty type A, perfectionist tendencies seem to be pretty prevalent. But if you make a choice that, hey, this isn't, my body's not feeling right, feel a little like dangerous in a bad way of if I do this, maybe I'm going to end up hurt. Um, or maybe I'm going to walk away feeling like, Oh man, I really shouldn't have done that. That's kind of like a little win. If you, if you really have listened and you make a smart choice for your body, it's almost like, Hey, give yourself a pat on the back. Like it's, it's really easy to push through and, do what everyone else is doing and just say yes to everything. But it almost takes a, a confidence in yourself to back off for a day and say, today's not perfect. Let's try again tomorrow. And it's just a little reward that you can give yourself of like, oh, wow, nothing bad happened from taking a day <laughs> and, and realizing that like, maybe the body just needs a little bit more regeneration and that's okay. You know, training plans should always be written in pencil. It's not a do or die situation every day. So yeah, take, taking, taking a breath or going and getting some body work or, you know, whatever you have to do, take an Epsom salt bath and see how you feel the next day. That's a perfectly reasonable and important thing for us to do sometimes it's like, Oh yeah. Huh. Listening to the body. Idea. <laughs> what a smart idea. Yeah. No, a hundred, a hundred and fifty, hundred and fifty percent. We've broken down the difference between when you should just call it because like let's talk safety, let's talk just like sometimes you need to take that personal day versus the days when you you can push through even though you may not feel your best. There are the tactics and tools that you can use to push through on those hard days. So let's just recap what some of those tactics are. We talked about shifting your pace a little bit, which can be super helpful. We talked about if you have the opportunity to run with other individuals, conversation, especially I think you use the word spicy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy convo, excellent tool. Uh, and then I think something maybe we haven't even really brought up here is if you're the kind of person that is a hobby jogger, recreational runner, a really great way to stave off these like, oh, I don't know if I can do it days is to diversify your training. So earlier you totally elaborated on your week of training and listening to that the hurdler hears, wow, you're doing a lot of different types of stuff. So that's such a great way to help you get through those iffy days because it gives you like a purpose and a mission that's different from day to day. For sure. I mean, pulling up YouTube and grabbing a yoga class or a mobility class or lifting some weights, even going on a hike, taking a spin class, it's all training. And it, it can all benefit you in different ways. It doesn't have to be, as I said before, write your training plans in pencil, give yourself a little bit of wiggle room, do something that's going to make you feel better the next day. 
And I'll also say this. I was going through a period uh, a couple months ago where I felt like I was having a lot of these days. And a lot of that, I believe, had to do with the fact that it was, as many of us were dealing with, just I wasn't racing. I didn't have something to look forward to. I was still kind of like in and out of the COVID way of working out. And so I decided, okay, what is in my control to change this? And so I decided to start working with a coach for a couple of months. And that was a really fun way for me to find some renewed purpose in what I was doing. And reporting in a little bit to that person was like, oh, wow, I feel a lot less alone in this. And that makes me feel excited and invigorated. And like, I want to show up and a little less like, oh, I just don't know if I can today. That is such a great strategy. And I think it also offloads your mental capacity. If you have somebody else planning for you, oh my gosh, so much easier. I love being coached. I think it's one of the coolest things that we have is to have somebody who's looking after your best interests, who understands running, who understands what you can do personally and can assign you stuff that you can just like, you don't even have to, it just takes some of that resistance away of like, oh, should I run three miles or should I do some hill sprints? You don't even have to go there. You can just see what they assign you, report back. It's a really fun relationship. So I, yeah, I, if anybody is able to get a coach, I say go for it. It's really fun. And if price is your barrier to entry, then what I'll talk up just briefly is certainly looking into the on-demand or free audio-guided runs. A lot of companies are doing this now, from Peloton to Aptive uh, to Nike has some really great ones as well. So that's something certainly to keep in mind. And you can literally just write down on your personal training schedule that you diddy up yourself, like Tuesday, 25-minute Nike plus guided run, and this is what I'm going to do on this day. And it just it gives gives you someone to talk you through whatever effort that you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do otherwise. It takes the pressure off, which is important. Before I let you go, something that I think is really great for us to touch on on the mindset side of things would be if you have any suggestions for books, podcasts, sports psychologists that you follow that really help you kind of take your mental to the next level. Yes. I Having a mental strategy is super important. So I see a sports psych every other week and my favorite book and a lot of where we work from with me is the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. And one of my favorite takeaways from this ideology is just because you've done it one way in the past doesn't mean that that's the only path to success. And you can always grow. You can always fix mistakes. You can always be better than you were before. And that's a way that I love to live in my entire life, not just on the track, but also off the track. So yeah, if you can check out Mindset by Carol Dweck, that's a great, that's a great book. I love it. I love it. Aisha, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. How do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow along with you as you train? Give us the details. My most active social media is Instagram, and you can follow me at my name, at Aisha Protlier. Beautiful. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. 